Do they hear us now? Good. <laughs> what up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 75 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Big shouts to everyone listening to Combo's Court across the globe. The continued support, man. Nothing short of amazing. Appreciate you all. I see you out there. Combo Nation, I see you. I see you hooping in your combo socks. I see you listening to the podcast, sharing, downloading, rating, reviewing, subscribing. I see it all, man. Much appreciated. Today's show, NBA shooting coach Rob Fodor joins in. Rob has a tremendous knowledge about shooting the basketball. He's a great shooter himself. A great conversation. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this one. We discuss shooting mechanics, the distance of the NBA three line, the differences between the coaching at the youth level in America compared to overseas, plus so much more. You could follow Rob on Instagram at the shooting guy. That's T H E S H O O T I N G G U Y. You know you could follow me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. Leave a five star rating and a friendly comment right on your Apple Podcast app. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. my notes ready i'm ready you know i have a i'm happy we get we get this on video man nba shooting coach rob folder welcome to combos court man how you feeling andrew i'm doing great i'm i'm really happy that i'm here with you and uh hope we have a good time spending some time together i hope so as well i think it'll go well man i think it'll go well um <laughs> you know we all have our own basketball journeys but um can you walk us through yours and how you fell in love with shooting and basketball that's yeah, you know, probably typical to same as everybody else's journey. I would think is uh, right. we all we all start playing. We see people that are playing a game that looks pretty cool to us, um, and then we start. You know, so I I probably I don't know. I might have started a little bit later than others. Um, came from an athletic family. My dad was a pitcher for in the Cincinnati Reds organization. My grandfather was a, a professional pitcher. I was headed down that road. I signed. I was going to sign a deal to play baseball as well, but um, just loved basketball from the beginning. Started you're like you're like Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, huh? Man, I, I, I wish <laughs> I'd love to be that fast. Wouldn't that be fun? Um, but you know, so I started playing in fifth grade, and and it was weird. I was a I, I got pretty good pretty quickly, but I was a midget, and I was probably I was five foot three when I left eighth grade. Waited, Same boat. Right, yeah. Our day, we're waiting for our day, and meanwhile, we're getting good and we're getting mad, you know. Hundred percent, right? So sometimes, like you're walking around going, "All right, you just wait," because <laughs> you're pointing at people's kneecaps. And, and then, then once I grew, I was talking a lot of smack to everybody. Once I grew a little bit, <laughs> that's, that's a Detroit thing too. I grew up in Detroit, and uh, that's if you're not talking, then then you're probably not playing. So it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I start, you know, I started there, and I got cut from my seventh grade basketball team, and uh, right. didn't think I should, 
felt like I was carrying a chip on my shoulder for that one coach because he didn't give me a fair shot, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, when I first started playing varsity basketball in high school, we played at the Pontiac Silverdome, nice. a crosstown rival team. And guess who we were playing? We were playing oh. that coach. The wow. guy who cut me in seventh grade was the coach from the other team. Our sounds, like a movie. sounds like a movie. I know, right? A crosstown rival high school. And um, we got the better of them that day before a Pistons Celtics game. And, and uh, you know, then had a good high school career, signed to play in college, went to a Final Four in the NAI, had a really, really nice career in, in college, started every game for four years, set a bunch of records still. I was a passer first. Um, I just happened to be a, a really good shooter. And, um, right. and I signed a couple of pro contracts. Uh, lost them both to injury um, right out of the gate. Back then, because I'm older. What countries? Uh, what, what countries? First one was in France. Okay. Um, and it was um, A-League in France. And um, snapped a bone in my hand at the wrong time. Yeah. And back then, if you couldn't show up healthy, you lost your deal. You know, so, oh, oh, even now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, in Euro League or so, a big, you know, big league, right. you, you can get away with it. They'll read yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, it was a big league back then, uh, still it's a league now. So, but you know, you lose the deal and on you go. So I went a couple of years and, and I probably did something that most basketball players don't do is I, I had to start my life, uh, kind of flying solo in life and you got to go to work. And I put, a, I never touched a basketball for seven years, Andrew. Wow. And I just, um, and I wasn't going to, and I had this really weird experience. I was on a driving range in golf. That, that's my other game that I play for. I play three sports already. All right. So, counting them. <laughs> so I started, uh, I was on the range and these two guys that I was working with came and said, Hey Rob, we heard you play basketball, you know, and I was hitting balls. I had my head down and I said, you heard wrong. Oh man. Balls. And they were, they looked at me kind of, they, they were kind of confused. They came back the next day and said, Hey, wait a minute. We talked to your wife. <laughs> she yeah. said, you, and I said, all right, I played. So what? And the guy said, we just wanted you to come to the gym. I fought that battle for about a day. And I said, all right, <laughs> I went to the gym and, and, uh, I picked so you it didn't up. touch the You didn't touch the basketball for seven years or six years. Not once. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Not once. I really want to know how your, I, I really want to know how your shot felt after taking that much time off. Well, this was the weird part. And, you know, the guys wanted to play. So as we started, they wanted to compete a little bit. So I said, all right, I'll tell you what, uh, let's play one on two. So I played them one on two. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they missed the first one and never got the ball back. So after we played for a little while, I asked them, would you guys just do me a favor? And I said, could you just rebound me uh, for five or 10 minutes? And they said, yeah, sure. So I went out there and I started to shoot and the really interesting thing happened was I was so clear and focused that um, it was like, I'd never put it down. I didn't miss a shot. That's crazy. There were kids from the high school coming in and they start talking to each other. And the guy, the guys rebounded, didn't really know me. And they're going, who in the heck is this guy? Yeah. Was, yeah. You know? And then I was, you know, I was 29 at the time. So I was a good athlete. I could put my elbows on the rim. So I was dunking. Yeah. And then when we got done, then the conversations were like, all right, who are you? And I said, uh, you know, grumpy old guy that used to play. So from that, I you're started, the real, you're the real life Billy Hoyle. Yeah. Right. 
Well, you said, I'm sure you did too. You hustled many games on the street corners in Detroit for, for me. But, so, yeah, so I, I started playing, you know, I started back and just when I moved down to Florida, uh, got invited to do a shooting lecture at uh, Hoop Mountain Basketball Camps in uh, Massachusetts. Okay. And, you know, obviously had only shot once or twice, but went up there and, and you know, kind of put everything back together in my mind, more for a speaking engagement. But this was a shooting demonstration at the same time. So I missed one shot in an hour and five minutes and had a pretty good day. We started from that. Um, my friend Steve Gibbs at Hoop Mountain asked to put together some uh, shooting camps for Hoop Mountain basketball camps. So we did that. Okay. Um, started the shooting camps. I got uh, I started coaching again and, you know, kind of ran downhill from there. So it's fun. Yeah. And ended up with the heat. Yeah, you know, I started building this. I started building this system of how to do things, because right. I think I, like you and I were talking before we started. I, I've always felt like basketball was kind of taught wrong. It was basketball? And on your yeah. website, it says basketball can be taught differently. So I'd like to kind of yeah. hear your thoughts on that. Well, you know, you can imagine when you were growing up as a player, uh, when I was growing up as a player, when our guy Mike Dunn's growing up as a player, we all kind of go through the same things, you know. And when we first start, we all, we all start the same way. Mom, dad, coach, uh, yeah. I want to play basketball. So yeah. being a good mom, dad, or coach, what do they do? They get a basketball and they hand it to you. Right. And now we are in trouble because we don't know how it works. And we, what's worse is most of the time we don't know how we work. So yeah. what happens is you start to <laughs> – what's so you put the ball down on the ground, you bend over, you're staring at the ground, and you're smacking it on the floor like that. Right, right, right. And then your first between-the-legs move, what was it, Andrew? It was, a, it was the greatest thing you ever did, right? Definitely. You moved the ball, and you stepped over it. You threw yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. You're right. Now, the problem is, as I after I started putting my – try to build my system, I started – I studied as a player, I studied – kinesiology, anatomy and physiology. I took physics, geometry, I studied biomechanics, uh, genetics, and I started talking, looking, learning about imprints. And what happens with us with basketball is when you do that, when you bend over and you start smacking the ball and stepping over the ball, we've now put an imprint on our brain. And we've taught ourselves to move our bodies around the ball. And basketball sure. is an implement game. And we're supposed to learn how to move our bodies first and then move the implement. Right. And attach, how do we attach the implement? So we kind of did that backwards. And unless you train yourself out of those original habits, we're playing in poor posture, terrible balance, and wrong sequence. So Yeah, no one was telling you to keep your chest up and your butt down and stay low when you're there. Right? You know? yeah. yeah, I mean, it just, they tell you to bend your knees. They tell you all kinds of crazy stuff, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, the shoulder square, feet square, elbow straight. I teach exactly zero of those things. Um, cause it's not the way kinesi you know, kinesiology tells you your body works. So, yeah. um, kind of put all that stuff together studying. And I heard, I, I always get a, I have a funny story because, you know, growing up as players, we all heard coaches say the same things, right? You see an athlete and they go, Whoa, man, that kid is quick as a cat. Right. Right. That guy's cat quick. So Mike Dunn and I, we joke about this all the time. Said, so, you know what I did? What? Studied cats. That's My question crazy. is. Well, why wouldn't you? Yeah. If we're studying something that's going to be quick and fast and agile, study the real thing, not the kid that's cat quick. So I started studying cats. You know, Detroit, same thing in New York. You can mess around with a lot of cats if you want to. So I started throwing stuff at them and <laughs> doing all kinds of crazy stuff and just being observant with how they move. When you scare 
a cat, they all do the same thing. They drop down and their, their feet go out and their eyes go up and they're looking for its innate fight or flight response. Right. Oh, I started to think, you know, we're in the animal kingdom too. So we have that innately. So I thought somehow we need to take that and turn it into a skill because it's something right. we can all do. So that's kind of how I got the inspiration for started to build out a system. And yeah. uh, so that's where, it, that's where it is. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's led me all the way to fortunately, God bless uh, the NBA. You know, yeah. Success, so, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Speaking of the NBA, uh, I wanted to hear a point of view from an NBA coach such as yourself. Cause I actually had Mike Dunn on the podcast and I yeah. told him this was a while back. I was like, I was watching the college game and I just felt like the space, it was off. They need to move the line back. And now what it's six months later and they moved the line back. You know, right. Um, right. You think, obviously the NBA has great spacing already. So that's not really the issue, but now we're at this point where everybody could shoot the three and the yeah. mid range has kind of been eliminated. Do you feel like bringing the line back could bring the mid-range back? Do you feel like it would be good for the game to bring it back to like 25 feet where only the elite shooters could shoot it efficiently? What are your thoughts well, on that? You know, I, I don't think the depth of the line hasn't, hasn't been the reason that the spacing has disappeared. It's the analytics. Right. The analytics of the game say that, you know, a two-point shot is, a, is not a great shot anymore. So if you're doing numbers-wise and you're looking at the value of a three-pointer versus the value of a, a two-pointer, um, clearly, you know, percentage wise, you only have to shoot, if you shoot 33.5%, right. Same as shooting 50%. I was get, just reading sprawl ball. Have, are you familiar? No, I haven't heard that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all about what you're saying right now. How yeah, yeah. basically it's, if you're at 33%, it's, it's, it's one point for every. Right. You know, and, every and think about when the, when the uh, three point line was first put out there without really delving into the analytics of it, everybody thought that it was, a, it had to be a 40% shot. Which is why right. 1986 Celtics scored. They still hold the record for most points scored in an NBA playoff game. Right. Lakers, right? Right. And that year, I think that year, and I could be mistaken, but it was some ridiculous thing. That year, I think they shot 100 threes. Right. And, and now what? Steph Curry makes, makes like 400 by himself, right? Or something yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, you, everybody, <laughs> everybody's shooting it. And, and I think that – you know, the, the, in terms of spacing, I mean, in our league, people move, you know, you move the, you start lifting players way, way out. And it's right. you get the advantage of having a shooter out there. But if you're playing back off of that player, he gets a running start at you, you know, so that's, that's where the, that's where and the Yeah. And on top of that, like you see great passers like Rondo and Ben Simmons, if you're not pressuring them because of their jump shot, it just gives them even more really? vision to make yeah. great passes, you know? And if you're going under screens, like people do, they play yeah. soft and they play under, you, now yeah. you're in a foot race going around the corner and they don't have anybody touching them and you've got to dodge two guys. So it's a challenge. But Most I think definitely. what you find as you watch, the mid-range is alive and well when it's a meaningful possession against clock and when it's a meaningful possession in the playoff game. Playoff well, not, game. Really for, not really for Houston, but everybody else, yeah. I agree with Everybody you. else. Why <laughs> <laughs> Leonard would show you the mid-range killer, and he was. Yeah, speaking of Kawhi Leonard and speaking of Houston's analytics, you know, I feel like the NBA is a copycat league. Like in the 80s, everybody got two big, goofy centers, you know, and they just <laughs> they just wanted to copy each other. Do you feel like, you know, we saw two horrible, unfortunate, gruesome injuries. We saw Kawhi. He was, uh, you know, load management all the way with him, and they ended up winning a championship. Do you feel like we're going to enter like a load management phase? Gosh, I, I, you know, I don't know. That's yeah. a good question. I think what 
it's just, it just depends on what the philosophy is valuing a superstar. Cause it's right. only, it's only with a few guys. Yeah. So it, I don't know. That's a good right. question. Um, different guys play 82 games. Others don't, uh, you yeah. can make a case both ways. They're stronger, more rested, you know, right. Those rhythm, guys, rhythm versus rust, all that stuff. Rhythm versus rust. Yeah, and those guys played, you know, a zillion games last year and nobody got hurt. So, I, I, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's something for smarter minds than mine. <laughs> okay. Well, let's stick with shooting then. You know, um, when somebody's really struggling with their shot, right, uh, do you feel – are you of the thought that, that you should totally break down the shot or make small tweaks over time? I think it, I think it depends on where you are, Andrew. Right. Um, if like with, with NBA players, they're all NBA players for a reason. And they're, right. they're really, really good and really talented. Uh, I think the first part that I know I do is I try to figure out, you have to understand your player. Are they a visual learner, an artistic learner? Are they artistic versus being a mechanic? Some guys need to rep things out. Some guys need to feel things. So um, different people's brains attach to what their body's doing differently. So I think as, a, as teachers, it's very important for us to understand what our players want and what they need. Um, some guys, you want to show them something. Some guys, you need to drill it so they feel it. And then based off of that, you can, you can kind of build out your philosophy from there. It's very individualized. I don't think it's – I certainly don't throw a blanket over anything. You know, if you have somebody that, that needs one thing, that's what we'll do. If, they need, if somebody else needs something different, then, then we'll do that. You know, it just depends on, you know, everybody has foundation to build from, but um, these guys are, these guys are artists in all kinds of different ways. So, and I think that's true in just about any stage of being a real player, like yourself, when you're playing professionally, it's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's just a matter of tweaking your mindset that's and, you'll, true. and you'll come together. But, you know, if you have a young player who's in the form of building or in the place of building a part of their game, it may be different. You know, you might take things apart, put them back together. I always get the question of, is that off season player development or in season player development? And it's like player developments all the time. So the best players keep at it during the, I mean, everybody's every working in the summer, but the best players yeah. keep at it during the year. Every day. Every yeah. day. Yeah. 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 Most definitely. Um, there's one thing that I always think about when it, when it, when you're tweaking a shooter's mechanics or even changing their mindset, I feel like it's so tough to make tweaks when the player is actually playing the game of basketball. Often you kind of revert back when you're playing in some ways. So how do you work through that? Well, it, that's a good point. Guys are, I, I, I use the phrase uh, practice like you're going to play because you will right. play like you practice and everybody's heard that before. Right. But it's true. What you do, basketball is a game of habits. Yeah. And what your habits are will show through when the lights shine brightest. So um, however you practice is how you're going to do it. But And it goes back to what I was saying before. Um, some guys need a picture, and if they have a picture, then you can, use, you can use your brain to recreate it, use your body to feel and recreate it. But I think you know, one of the things that we, that we do uh, or that I do is I try to, I try to work on – the geometric picture of what somebody's shot looks like. Okay. And it goes right from the very beginning. So um, Mike and I were actually talking about this in New York City. 
if you think about the perfect geometric shape of a basketball player's shot, okay, and I'll use my, I'll just use my finger here, but if you Great have- Great thing we got video, right? Right, it's perfect. <laughs> so if you had the player here and the basket here, what would it look like? It would actually look like that. Whatever right. trajectory you believe the ball should fly on, the shape should look like that. Right. What does it actually look like? When a player grabs the ball, it usually does this, then back, and then up. And those right. are three, that's three different directions. Now you have inertia going one way that you have to stop, restart, stop, restart, stop. It happens very quickly. So we just try to, we just try to create a better shape, you know, a smoother delivery. And we talk about efficiency and energy transfer all the time. So the more efficient you are, the more they get to be themselves, you know, because most of them have great touch and great yeah. feeling for spatial relationships and that kind of thing. So just give them the tools of, um, to make what they do best better. So. Right. So I know you've uh, coached in Europe. Um, you know the European game. What, what are the differences you see at the, at the youth level in terms of how they train their players and the way we train our players here in America? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because the like, national teams over in Europe, are, they're a lot more uh, programmed in terms of who's coaching them. You know, you have certified coaches. Right. They go to school. They go to, yeah, right. yeah. they do. And they have to keep their certifications and they're constantly like, I deal with, um, blessed to deal with a bunch of national teams and the national teams have, there's national team coaches for every single age group. Crazy. And, and they're constantly working together, working on their craft and working on the, the coaching and teaching part. You know, and especially of the team aspect part of basketball yeah, in the individual I, as well. Right. The yeah. individual skills and how do you actually play this game? You know, yeah. I think for us, the way things happen here is, you know, we play pickup ball and we play AAU ball and AAU ball. People get thrown together and we learn and a, lot, a, lot, of, a lot of more isolation in AAU, a lot more isolation. Yeah, but it, it, it's AAU is not necessarily to go out and win. It's to get exposed. True. You know, or I should say exposure. I used to use that phrase all the time. Somebody's, I got to go play AU ball coach, or I got to go play tournament, travel club ball. And I go, well, you're either going to get exposure or get exposed. Ed. And yeah. coaches, you know, um, it's, it's funny. The, the coaches that are uh, up where the guys want to play, they see everything, literally everything, you know? Um, yeah. It was fun. I had a, a great experience. I was over in Greece uh, doing a clinic earlier in the year and I had the blessing to meet David Blatt. So I went over to Olympiacos practice and, the, and their team, their, their youth team had just won the title the night before. And three what, of their 19, U 16, U, what was it? Uh, I'm guessing 19, U okay. 19. Okay. Um, so they, um, three of those guys were supposed to come to the big teams of the Olympiacos practice. So in Greece, yeah. Olympiakos is the New York Knicks. Right, right. <laughs> Just like Maccabi in Israel or exactly. it's the Lakers, Real Madrid or Spain. Right? That's yeah. their team. So yeah. there's two of them, Panathinaikos, and there's a whole league of them, but these two are like teams. Yeah. There's one kid that showed up. So Coach Blatt starts his practice, and he looks over at the kid, and he goes, hey, where are your boys? <laughs> and the kid just kind of shrugged. his, I don't know, Coach. He goes, hey, you know what? Well, good on you, son. Good, good on you for being here. <laughs> and you're gonna get to practice and good on you and those guys and good and so he just kind of pumped the kid up and he went on with his practice. We stopped it a couple of minutes later 
And he said, he looked back at the kid. He goes, hey, you know what else? He says, you're lucky. There's an NBA coach in here. I'm going to tell you something about NBA coaches, son. They see everything. They know who's not here, who's here. They know, and they're watching you. And, he, and now the kid's sitting there like, oh, my God, there's an NBA coach here watching me. <laughs> but the point of it was that he made, because David was an NBA coach and a very good one, they, you see everything. Because you have to re you realize that every single thing that everyone does all the time matters. How you do one thing is how you do everything. So, you know, you, you get Habits, to just like shooting, right? Habits. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of habits, you know, I'm gonna get uh, a little technical and mechanical on you with the jump shot. So when you're when you're followed through caves in, what's usually the issue? So caves in meaning what? Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, what? Uh, this is gonna sound okay. So if you go back to how we learned was what I was talking about earlier, right? After we learned to step over the ball, and that right. was our between the legs dribble. What was the first thing we ever learned with coaches in a coaching clinic or a practice? When we were little kids, we all learned how to throw the two-hand chest pass, right? Right. We learned it thumbs down, back spin. Okay. Right. Here's the problem. See where my elbows are? Yeah. So we now, we now learn to stick our elbows out. Right. Okay? Now what happens is because of that, we don't have anything driving the center of the ball. We're squeezing to get to the center. Now, most kids, when they start to shoot, they grab the ball off center. So what happens is as you draw it up, the other hand is pushing into the, and then you're right. You resist it back and push it to straight. You're so how do you, how do you drill that guide hand? What's the best way to drill that guide hand to make it straight? Uh, believe it or not, I work on, I work on opposite elbow more than I do shooting elbow. Wow. So when, when guys are like this, I just I take their opposite elbow and like and, and both of them react. They work together. It's the of course. It's the way your body works. So when you move one, the other will react. And it keeps the tension out of your shooting arm when you're working that way. So that could hurt rotation as well, opposite hand, right? The uh, offhand. Yeah, you know, it just depends on what your philosophy is about rotation and all, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's um when you have an when you have an extra force I, mean, I always say goal number one to shoot the ball well, shoot it straight. And if you have two forces coming in this way, you have to control two forces to make the ball go straight. So, you know, if you learn how your body works and then you study the physics of leverage and momentum and such that you just have to learn how to remove the resistance from the other force. It allows you to be easier and follow through straighter. I think that, you know, the reason why there's force on the other hand is so often it's because a player wants to control it so badly. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? But it's also, it, it, I agree. And it yeah. is, and it is very much how we learned. Yeah. Because it, you put an imprint on your brain and that's how you learned, you know? Yeah. And, and then if you like, if you're talking about what you're talking about to be able to let go, it's the, the Zen and the art of archery thing. Right. You know, right. Go back, let the, it's do all your work. You got to let the arrow go. Arrow's going to go where it goes. You know, yeah. you can't make it go in. Some That's people true. find a way to do it, but <laughs> <laughs> some people will their way to make big shots sometimes. Exactly. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you made a bunch of years yourself. That's yes, great. Most definitely. Most definitely. So yeah, you know, oh, I know we've been going back to Mike a lot. We're, we're going to give Mike a lot of pub on this, but he attributes some of his shooting accuracy to the fact that he started shooting late. 
because he was strong enough to do it. Do you feel like there's a certain age that would be more beneficial to start shooting or you could really just start as young as you want? You know, if you start the right way, you yeah. can start. You can start. Right. But much to what I've been saying is we don't. We generally don't. We start with our elbows out. We start – and then we can – when we look back at it and say, well, what was the cause of that? Now we're saying the ball's too heavy, the basket's too high. And, and that's all very true. But it still goes back to if you learned to do this and you're doing to try to shoot like that, it's a challenge, you know? Right. And if you do start later – I think one of the things, if you start later, yes, you are physically stronger, but I think the bigger part is your brain is stronger and you're able to take in information and, and assimilate things more quickly and, and, you, and you waste less time going in the wrong directions because you're able to figure out what works. Right. Especially, right. you know, with, with people like yourself, with Mike and, you know, I was the same way. We were all very motivated to oh, get man. it right. Yeah, 100%, right? 100%. Yeah, so we're psychotic about getting it right. My, so, my, my career is over, and I still like trying to find ways to improve my shot, you know? So, yeah, everybody yeah. is. Everybody yeah. is. I want to yeah. improve teaching, you know, yeah. so how we can all help the people that we care about 100%. better. And then, we, you know, through that, I, I think if, if as an educator, I used, to, I used to teach as well in school. Um, I talk to p- people about this all the time. I try to have my players teach me back because you remember about 25% of what you're told. You remember about 70%, 75% of what you discover, but you remember over 95% of what you teach. Right. So I do that where I take, I have my guys do exercises of, okay, teach me, teach me your fundamentals, teach me or teach him or whatever. And they start to process things a little bit better. So fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how much of shooting do you believe is innate? That's a good question. Uh, I would say off the top of my head, I think some of it has to do with spatial relationships. If people have great ability to. That's, have pa- that's passing and reading the game as well. It's the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Everything. Ball sense. How did we, how do we start? You know, if we, if we have great ball sense, if we have great depth perception, next thing is speed and processing in your brain, you know? Right. Um, and I think, like you see a lot of players that are really good shooters in practice and you go to the games and they don't shoot that great. And I think I get asked that question, why is there such a gap? And I, people talk about it all the time. The game's faster and you're defended and you're tired and yeah. those are all factors. But I think the bigger one is that when you're shooting to practice, that's all you're thinking about. The shot's going up and it's going in and that's it. Like when you see somebody shooting with one or two seconds left on the shot clock and there's no, there's no thought about, am I passing this? Am I driving this? Is this guy going to close me out? And that shot goes up. Those guys make that shot because yeah. there's no other thought. Mind is clear, you know? So, yeah. That's um, why it's so important. I mean, I know it, uh, we're so big on training, but it's so important to play your sport as well while you train. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. no question. No question. Well, we, we had the chance before. We had a great conversation even before this podcast, and we talked a little bit about social media and um, how times have changed. So, Right. Can you let us know what you, what you got going on with social media and Discord? Uh, we, yeah, we built a platform for, uh, that go, runs along with our website. But we, we, we're starting a community chat room for basketball players. Nice. People that are you know, motivated by basketball, want to talk basketball, want to learn basketball, want to teach basketball, et cetera, et cetera. So we, um, on the Patreon platform, attached to the Shooting Guy website, um, 
we started a Discord. And you can go on there, and it's a community that you join. Um, so it's a nominal fee to join the general uh, Discord. And you can have, you can be talking to people all over the world at any time. Crazy. Yeah. And so, you know, as you build the community, you can just kind of log in there and you'll find your friends and you can, you know, you can join friends, you can meet new people, et cetera, et cetera. And just, you know, if the game's going on or if the draft's going on, you can just start talking about it. And everybody's so good on their phones and on their computers now, except for right. I, of course. Yeah, except for us. <laughs> so, when you, so, but you can go on there and now, and, and we put together this place where people can meet and like minds can exchange ideas. Um, and then there's a, you know, there's a couple of other levels. Like if you want to go, Mike, uh, has joined us, uh, or is thinking about it. If he, if, so if you want to go talk to Mike, you can join the next tier. And if you want to talk to me or, you know, some like, uh, something like that, you can, you can jump in. So yeah, Mike will be ready to talk at three thirty AM when he wakes up, right? <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the true motivated guys. You know? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I used to do that. It's great. <laughs> I go to sleep at three thirty. That's the that's a difficult thing for us sometimes. Oh yeah. man, travel schedule is tough, but it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Rob, yeah. you know it was a great conversation before the podcast, during the podcast. You're always welcome <laughs> back on the show. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us, or ask me, or anything else? Uh, you know what? I because I, I know you were a baller, and and uh, I would love to hear. Um, I know you want to stay with the short version, but just tell me. Um, where did you play high school, college? And I know you played pro. So talk, tell me for one second. So yeah, uh, high school, I moved around a lot. Wasn't the greatest student. Played a lot of basketball. I was, I was small, actually, like yourself. Um, I, I, I grew at like 17. when I, I was highly skilled. You know, I had a good feel for basketball, but I worked on the athleticism. I grew. Uh, it kind of all started coming together at 17, 18. Nice. Went to, went to, uh, took the JUCO route. Um, became okay. an all-region player. Made a decision. I didn't want to go back to school. Um, I played in the ABA. I was a coach there. Okay. So, yeah. you, know, so you know that. Uh, the ABA was great for me, actually. We got to travel to Singapore and Canada. Nice. Uh, yeah, it, it was a great experience. Got an agent. He actually took me to Israel. Then 10 years later, I was still playing. Yeah, now, I wanted to start my own basketball show uh, during my last years. I kind of knew I was overplaying and I wanted to live in America. So here we are with the podcast. So that, that's the short story. There's a lot of things, a lot of injuries, uh, a lot yeah. of, you know, business situations it, mixed in all that. But here we are. Well, you're great at it, Andrew. And I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you allowing me to come on here. Um, you know, the Discord is great. Uh, we've started a we started a, a website called The Shooting Guy, as you know. Um, yes. Let us know everywhere we could find you, social media and on Discord. Yeah, it's on Instagram, I guess, and Facebook, and, and, uh, and then it's theshootingguy.com. So hopefully people will go take a look at it. And, um, you know, we start down the road of, of um, the system that I put together to kind of get people to maybe think differently, and it'll, it speeds people up. You know, right. It, can, can, we, we can we contact Walter if we have more questions too? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. <laughs> You'll find him on Instagram too at the shooting guy. That's my guy. Yeah. All right, Robbie. It was great talking to you. You're always welcome back. I appreciate thank you, it. Thank you so much for being here. Andrew, it was really my pleasure and I'm, I'm uh, happy to meet you this way and look forward to talking to you again. Talk soon. Thanks, brother. There it is. Episode 75 is in the books. Big shouts to Rob for joining in. We appreciate you. Go check out Rob's website, theshootingguy.com.
Combo Nation, man. Combo Nation. Leave a five-star rating and a friendly comment right on your Apple Podcast app. Check us out and follow us on Spotify as well. Also, man, check the website out, 12combo.com. Be on the lookout for episode 76. Combo out.